Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Serial Killers Cafe. I'm your host, Stephanie, here with my co-host, Ariel. Hello, friends. And happy Wednesday. We are, like we said last week, so excited to be back and bringing you new episodes. And we're really excited to jump in today to Richard Cottingham, also known as the Torso Killer. Ooh, this sounds fun. Very fun. So before we get started, we'll chat about what we're drinking. Um, today, I'm drinking a hot chocolate because it's cold. Shut up! Uh, me too! And um, I use my milk frother to, like, froth my milk, so it makes it, oh. like, foamy and hot. Well, so screw you. I, I used I to put regular fucking instant hot cocoa. So That's what we mostly drank, but um, I figured I... I used that. I just used the frother to put the milk in with my instant. I a frother. It came with my Nespresso, so that's the only reason why I have one. Anyway. Okay. Anyways, now I'm jealous, but whatever. <laughs> um, if quarantine ever ends, I'll bring it over and we can use it together. Deal. Deal. Um, okay, so I'm going to dive right in today, folks, because we have a lot to do this week, so I want to make sure we get you these episodes. Um, okay, Richard Cottingham, born November 25th of 1946, and he was the oldest of three children. When they were 12 years old, he moved to New Jersey, and Cottingham struggled, like, with the move and making friends socially. Um, I, and I don't think this was because, like, they didn't say he was, like, really socially awkward. I think it was just hard because he moved at 12. So it was just, like, hard to, like, fit in. Um, and so he spent most of his time at home with his mom and his siblings. Um, but then by the time he got to high school, he was able to make more friends and fit in. Realistically, I'm not sure why. moving is hard, like, for any kid. Yeah. Like, we're both, like, fairly lucky that, like, I'm never, I only ever moved as an adult, and you didn't have to move till you were, like, 17. Yeah, I moved when I was three, six or seven, but around the corner, like, literally Uh, around the corner. And then I moved when I was 16. Um, It's crazy to read about this, though, because we're actually moving, like, me and my family, we're moving to another state um, in July. Um, I'm not ready to talk about this, okay? So it was interesting to read this. I also want to point out, I'm not sure why they put this random tidbit in here because that has nothing else with anything else I read about him. Like, they just randomly like, hey, by the way, he had trouble making friends at 12, but by 14, he was good to go. So <laughs> I'm just letting you guys know because that's cool. what they told me. But um, it's not like it came into, like, an aggressive play of, like, why he turned out the way he did. So um, once he graduated from high school, his father worked for the Metro Life Insurance Company. So he actually joined his father at the insurance company and worked as a computer operator and actually eventually moved on to Blue Cross Blue Shields in New York um, and was a computer operator there. So again, another very like successful, hardworking man. Um, his coworkers, his employees, they all said like he was very well liked. They even mentioned like what a good employee he was, how hard he worked. Um, and then in 1970, he married a woman named Janet and they went on to have three children. So the first child was born in 1973, then 1975 was the second child, and 1976 was the third child. So first of all, that is so many kids in a very short amount of time. So kudos to Janet because like that sounds awful. That's I just, just want that's just a, that's a lot. Um, so then three years after the birth of their last child, so this would have been 79, Janet filed for divorce. <clears throat> She cited that her husband had been involved in extramarital affairs and had also been seen, like, frequenting the local gay bars quite a lot. So she was like, deuces, me and the kids don't need you. Whatever. So, 
basically. Um, and then here comes in that interesting fact. So during the times where he was committing like murders, which I will get to next, he had actually been arrested a few times for minor offenses. They included shoplifting and DUIs, um, but a connection was never made between him and the murders that were taking place at that same time. So like we had just talked about um, previously with Robert Hansen is how crazy it is that like these men continually get picked up while they're doing really heinous stuff and like aren't like aren't even thought about as like a suspect until something comes down the line. So like he's literally like committing a murder, gets arrested for a DUI and like no one's like, oh, I wonder if we should, which I guess like makes sense because you need to obviously have like some reason to assume that this like random dude who drank too much and then started driving is also a serial killer. So like in my mind, I guess it makes sense that you can't just like assume, oh, okay, well we arrested this guy. So I just think it's crazy how many times these guys do get arrested before they actually get arrested for being serial killers. Right. So that's pretty crazy. So um, his first uh, victim, her name was Nancy Shiava Vogel. Sorry, I'm sure that I butchered that name. Obviously, you know, Ariel and I are really great with names. So (laughs) Um, she'd been missing for three days before her strangled body was found in her car. Her body was bound and naked and she actually disappeared when she was um, playing bingo at church. That's sad. Yeah. So that was... That was definitely sad. Then the bodies of Dida Gudzari and an identified woman who, like, to this day, from what I know, has not been identified, were found by firemen on December 2nd of 1979 after they responded to a fire at a hotel close to Times Square in New York. The heads and hands had been removed from both bodies and they'd been set on fire. Like, with, like he poured lighter fluid on their bodies and set them on fire. That's which, which then caused the fire in the hotel etc so crazy if you ask me so now we're at three victims okay then in may 5th of 1980 the body of valerie ann street was discovered at a quality inn in new jersey her hands were handcuffed she he had like beaten the crap out of her and she had bite marks all over her body examination of her body had shown that there was like adhesive tape that he had put across her mouth and that she had been killed by asphyxiation Ten days later, Jean Rayner was found in the Seville Hotel, stabbed to death. So when I first started reading about this guy, I was like, this dude is like all over the place. Like none of these people seem to have been murdered in the same way. Like one was stabbed to death. One died of asphyxiation. One was strangled in her car. Like it's just like there's a lot like one, two were lit on fire. Like it's not like he was like, okay, I rape and then I kill. And then like by like cutting their heads off and call it a day. It's like he was all over the place. So I'm actually pretty shocked that like they were able to find him just because like I said, it didn't it didn't seem like there was a specific pattern um at first so i'll get to that in a minute so the timeline of like his murders are basically from 1967 until 1980 so in 1967 there was nancy vogel she was only 29 in 1977 there was marianne carr um her age unknown and then on december 2nd was when he, the um fireman found dita gazzari who was 22 and the jane Doe with her and then on May 5th of 1980, so he took like a little five-month hiatus for himself, Valerie Street was uh, found murdered, and she was 19. And then in May 5th of 1980, May 15th, sorry, 10 days later, was Jean Rayner. So pretty, pretty, I mean, we've seen obviously so many different serial killers, like so, where their timelines are either super long or 
super short. Like, some of these serial killers kill for, like, 20 years, and some of them right. kill for, like, a month. So, um, definitely a shorter time frame of those. So, now we'll get to, like, how basically he got arrested. So, Cunningham picked up a prostitute named Leslie Ann O'Donnell. She was 18 years old on May 22nd of 1980. So, please note that this is only seven days since he had just killed Jean, or when Jean was found in the, in the hotel. They agreed on $100 in exchange for sex, and then they went to the same quality inn where Valerie Street's body had been found. So, he's, like, going what? back to the spots he knows. Second of all, can we just take a breather here and talk about, like, why you'd go to a hotel? They're not privacy. They're not quiet. Like, I feel like when I go to a hotel, I'm not like, this is so... Like, not that they're, like, blatantly loud, but, like, quality in motels, I'm assuming, do not have, like, really super thick walls and, like, soundproof rooms. So, like, you're obviously going to hear, at least, like, if there was, like, a squabble going on in the next room, you would hear it. Like, Yeah, I would think so. Right. So she was lying on her stomach waiting for, I guess, the massage that he had, like, agreed to give her. Ew. And he pulls out a knife and places it against her throat and handcuffs her. He tortures her and literally almost bites one of her nipples off. Ah, God. Right? So she's crying, screaming out in pain. And even though her voice was muffled, again, not assuming that the, the like, quality of the walls here is really great, the right. motel staff heard her and immediately called the police. So please oh, get there. Right. They're like, yo, get out of the room. Blah, blah, blah. Like, they don't even burst in. I'm not sure. Like, it literally said in the notes, like, police asked him to get out of the room. And I'm like, well, why don't you just, like, slam the door open? Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Could you so, possibly please stop uh, raping people? So I'm assuming, like, maybe they were like, we don't know what's going on. It sounds like a disturbance. So they were trying to, like, give him the opportunity. Anyway, it sounds like he took the opportunity to open the door and just, like, went out in the hallway. And they arrested him. They searched the like the motel room and found a pair of handcuffs, two sleeve collars, a leather gag, like replica pistols, a switchblade, and like a very large amount of prescription pills. So he was like ready for a night of raping and killing and torturing, pretty much. Wait, so can we back up to the slave collar part? <laughs> yeah, it just and he had two, so I don't know if like one was for him and one was for her. I don't know if he was doing like some bondage role play. Like I don't really know. And like I said, I'll get to why he's called the torso killer and like what ends up being his pattern. But when I initially read about them, I was kind of like, I have no idea how anyone would catch this guy because he sounds like he's literally just all over the map doing whatever the fuck he wants. So hold on before we continue. I'm still caught up on this slave collar. Thing. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm literally Googling like slave collar. It's also known as a quote punishment collar. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Um, and it, ready for this? It originated in the eighteen early 1800s um, as basically like they would literally use them on slaves. And yeah. apparently now people use them for sexual purposes. But they're awful looking. Some of them literally are just a collar that says slave on them. Like they're not. Oh, yeah. can you? No, no. Yeah, really bad. And like he like he just had so many things, so it's just like again, a you're in a quality in, and it's not like you like I I was more confused of like okay, but where, why why quality in like especially because it's not like, and then I'm like intrigued because he killed all these other people in motels and hotels. It seems like so like how did you get away with like no one figuring out you were there before? Like did you just go right to stabbing them so they couldn't make any noise? Like. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued as to, like, why he'd choose, like, a place where you could so easily get caught. Like, someone could easily overhear you at, like, a hotel or a motel versus, like, 
Like, even if it's one of those motels where you, like, pull up your car and everyone has, like, their own separate doors and you're not in the same hallway, like, you can still hear. And they're still, like, wall, like, right next to each other, you know? Like, the rooms are right there. Right. So I thought that was pretty crazy. Yeah, that wasn't super smart on his, like, part as far as being a serial killer. Right. So he ends up... So, anyway, the police arrest him, and then, obviously, they get a search warrant for his house once they've arrested him and gone through the motel room. And in his house, they find a lot of, like, similar things, guns, stuff like that. But they actually found a number of items he had taken from his victims. So, like, he didn't take, like, one souvenir. He took, like, at least four things from each... Like, he was like, I'm just gonna grab all your shit and go home. So, like, thanks, Thanks, goodbye. Like, it was was insane. So... Um, eventually he went to trial for the murder of Valerie Streets. Okay. So that's good. Valerie was the one who was discovered in the quality Inn and like had the tape across her mouth. Um, and he was sentenced to 173 to 197 years in prison. Wow. Two more trials followed and he was found guilty of four second degree murders. So there is some like other cool in or interesting information. I probably shouldn't say cool because it's like really fucked up, but interesting right. information. So one month before his arrest, Cotting Cottingham's wife, who had filed for divorce, she had cited that like he was extremely cruel and she didn't give like really any details that I could find about like what that cruelness meant, but just extreme cruelty was like her major reason for citing divorce. And she claimed that he refused to have sex with her since 1976. So basically like he had three kids with her. And as soon as they were done having kids, he was, he, that's when he started raping and killing because Nancy Vogel was killed in 1967. And so basically like as soon, like, so he, oh no, wait, sorry. I did that backwards. So Nancy Vogel was killed in 1967, but then in, he still had sex with his wife and had all their kids. And then in 1977 is when he had his second victim. And then I guess he was like, yeah, I don't want to sex with you anymore because I'm raping people. So, Ew, there. so in all the trial, everything they talked about, everything that they went through as the police, the only thing he admitted to was having a problem with women. Like he literally said, I have a problem with women. And that's all he said. Like nothing what? else. I have a problem. Like, first of all, we know. <laughs> okay first of all all. so like i have a problem with chocolate okay like i eat too much chocolate there's a just casually like i have a problem with women well can you imagine like sitting and interrogating this guy for like minutes and minutes and like probably days on end and him being like i have a problem with women that's like all he keeps saying i'd be like oh my god we know you're infuriating (laughs) like oh my god that would make me so nuts so Um, the only, uh, oh, and then, so his nickname, which I definitely want to give us a few minutes to talk about, um, it was the torso killer and it says it was due to his habit of dismembering his victims and he usually left nothing behind but their torso. Uh huh. So when I had first read about them, they don't say like, oh, everything was missing, but the torso in the victims, they just kind of like talk about what happened. So I was kind of like torso killer, definitely intrigued to know like where this nickname came from. But, like, totally behind... That's a lot of body parts that you're, like, hacking off and and disposing of elsewhere. And, again, coming from... You're in a motel. Right, like, how is he carrying these body parts out? What is he doing with them? I'm also... Yeah, like, I'm just so intrigued by this whole situation because I feel like he's so careless, but, like, somehow also got away with so many of these, like, insanely meticulous, like, murder details that I'm, like... This is wild. So I feel like we just need to address that for a few minutes because I don't actually understand like how 
And um, the book I had read about him in originally when I decided to do him didn't even tell me that's why his nickname was that. I had to actually Google it to find out. Really? Yeah, like I think that it was definitely... He claims, though, that he has murdered between 85 and 100 people. But, like, we only know of, like, seven. Which, again, is another super common theme that Aaron and I have seen in so many serial killers where they, like, get convicted for, like, four people. But they're like, well, I actually murdered, like, 500. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's... Like, it's, uh, that's a lot of people to be, um, like, to take credit for. Like, a hundred, think of how many people, I don't even think I like a hundred people, let alone, like, like, if I think of all the people that, like, I could, like, people have weddings of a hundred people. Like, that's, that's a lot of people to, like, kill. Like, I guess, like, that's, yeah. So, um, he's currently incarcerated in the New Jersey State Prison in Trenton, New Jersey. Wow. But crazy, right? Like, again. I would so wish that there was more information on him. Yeah. So, like, I checked Wikipedia. I, I checked my serial killer book. Yes, guys, I have a serial killer book. It's really badass. I got it off Amazon. It's called The Big Book of Serial Killers, an Encyclopedia of Serial Killers. And when I first, first got it, I came home and I sat and it got delivered from Amazon. I sat on my couch and I opened it. And my husband had come home from work like 10 minutes later. And all he saw was, like, my feet and the title of the book and he was like oh man <laughs> so i'm sure that that made i knew him, it was gonna happen eventually <laughs> i'm sure that he like really appreciated you know that i like especially because i was like we should leave it out he's like this is not a coffee table book like please go put it away <laughs> and, like put out like humans of new york or something yeah. i was like okay um so yeah so what's crazy though is because he's had so many victims they actually only really identified like a handful of them so especially if he killed so many people like because i'm assuming of the way he killed and dismembered these victims like a lot of them like it's not like a torso is like oh i can check their rib and like i don't know like i feel like it's hard to just like you use dental records or fingerprints or whatever so if he's taking like hands and heads and all these things and leaving you a torso it's really hard to figure out who a lot of these people are so So he basically just takes like the identifying pieces of them which is fine i just want to know what he did with them like that's what i'm having a hard time finding is what did he do with the remaining pieces i agree and i was struggling with that too and like maybe you guys know because i know sometimes you guys send us stuff and uh, again we apologize on things that we might not be correct on like we really just google and research stuff and like obviously not everything on the internet is 100 percent accurate so we're more than willing to always like if you want to correct us or let us know but just know we don't like purposely try and get things wrong (laughs) we just start going with like what we find So, um, but apparently like there's like, so this happened in Cleveland and like 80 years later, people like still talk about this guy. And I believe that there's actually like some sort of like you can, there's like a Cleveland police museum or something. I I found this website, Cleveland, wow, I can't talk. Sorry, guys. Clevelandpolicemuseum.org. And they talk about the torso murders in it and like how, like they found them it's really cool what i'll do is i'll make sure we share this link when we post this episode we'll share it to our facebook page oh please make sure to like us on facebook follow us on instagram we will definitely now that we're back be more active in adding content each week to go along with our episodes um so but it is it's just interesting and like i said um oh i'm sorry one more fun fact before we close out in 2011 the daughter of the late peter morello um contacted the cleveland police museum with information she had 
because she had copies of her father's files on case. So I'm pretty sure he was one of like the detectives that was working on it. And his, after he passed away, his daughter like found something and other recently discovered documents have included autopsies, hospital records, um, like lunacy hearings and interviews. And they all like kind of started to shed light, but I haven't found those. So if I do, I will share them. Like I said, I, I think that, uh, sometimes we'll get information and then things will change from like when we learned about the guy and like a lot of these obviously are older but there's just so much information everywhere so if you ever are like oh this is the place i found this whatever please send it our way we'd love to know yeah definitely so anyway the more you know the more you know yes facts so torso murder guy so anyway that is richard cottingham the torso killer super gruesome dude um and then like i always wonder like what happened to his kids do they like change his name i hope they like change their names and just never talk to anyone again because that's what i do um so i'm still real stuck on the her nipple was almost bit off uh because i'm nursing my son and uh he has bit me a couple times and i swear i have seen christ himself when that happens it does hurt and he doesn't have teeth right he doesn't have teeth that's all i could think about is i'm like oh my god well he's gonna please don't do this when you do have teeth because i'm literally gonna die and like i know someone who has permanent damage because when she was nursing her kid he bit her like what so i'm really still stuck on that because that poor poor woman besides the fact that you know she was murdered um I can't even imagine. I would be so bad at being tortured. You know, sometimes like in movies and stuff, or even when we watch documentaries on these coasts, you'll see like survivors who are like, I got this. Like, yeah, I was tortured. What about it? That's me. I would be the biggest wimp. Oh my God. I know. Stephanie would just be like, yeah, anyways. So that time I was tortured. I know. <laughs> no, you know me. I do not take pain very well. Like, absolutely not. So for Tattoos. me, I'm not good at physical pain but it's that like mental emotional state that i can get myself in so i can like pretty much make right. it through anything right but like errol used to joke she'd be like one day like you could get shot and you just be like i can't believe you just shot me like because that was just how i responded to like every situation <laughs> like she'd be like you wouldn't even be like oh my god my lo-. you'd be like i can't believe you just shot me you jerk like what were you thinking <laughs> like oh my god i have things to do my kids need to get picked up from school like what are you like because it is my mind oh, is just like true. that's exactly who i am but it's it's crazy to think like again how many more victims there could be that just weren't even talked about like 80 to 100 is so many people when you're saying like we convicted you of six no five and technically we know about like i think they said nine two three right so i mean that's like 90 plus people that are unaccounted for essentially right oh my gosh that should be like I, like, I wish we had more time in the world to go, like, hunt down, like, this information and see if these people exist. We don't, unfortunately, so. No, um that'd be cool, though. But it's just, it is, it's crazy. And, again, it's just, it's a common theme we see with so many of the serial killers is, like, they get convicted for four because of, like, three. Some of them are just two victims. And they get convicted for two victims. I'm like, that's so weird, guys, because I've actually killed 97 people. And you're like, what? How is this a thing? Are you sure? So, anyway, that is Richard Cottingham, the torso killer. Super crazy. Um, Please make sure you like us, follow us. Um, We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We are on Twitter. I haven't really been active, but I'll try to be better about it. Um, And just, yeah, we're super excited to be back and keep bringing you new serial killers. Um, You can also email us if you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, serialkillerscafe at gmail.com. Other than that, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Thanks for listening, guys.